Welcome to Music Journeys. I'm Mike Foley. Modern English continues its tour tonight in Columbus at AR Music Bar. The band brings decades of history and new material with an infectious spirit and energy. Just ahead on Music Journeys, singer Robbie Gray and bassist Mick Conroy reflect on the past and share details on the upcoming record. We'll sprinkle in a few samples of that new material. Some old material, too, and have them try to explain the incredible lasting power of one of their early songs. The future's truly open wide for modern English. Robbie Gray and Mick Conroy are featured guests on this edition of Music Journeys. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Robbie Gray from Modern English. I'm Mick Conroy. I'm from Modern English. And And this this is our our music music journey. journey. I Melt With You became a worldwide hit for modern English on the radio in the early 1980s. And in this age of streaming, it's approaching 60 million plays, according to Spotify. The crowd love it. I mean, I don't even have to sing it most nights. They sing it for me. And also, it's like when you play that song in front of people, everyone smiles. You know, you can almost hear the sound of people's memories going crazy as well. The music memories for Conroy and Gray began at an early age. Music was always a thing, you know, in my own youth. But then when um, when David Bowie came along with um, John I'm Only Dancing... I uh, thought, wow, this is really uh, amazing. Then I, I kind of started to uh, try and search more stuff about David Bowie. And I lived in uh, Germany and Belgium at the time. So it was, uh, you know, it's like we, we also had to kind of fight off umpa music <laughs> at the same time. I knew what I didn't like. <laughs> For me, it was uh, Bowie and Roxy music, you know, Iggy Pop, uh, the Velvet Underground, all that kind of stuff that other people did. But for us to start making music was obviously the the punk thing, whereas when you listen to Bowie, it was like, well, he was, you know, you wouldn't expect to be able to do that, but um, you could certainly do punk rock. You pick 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 up a guitar and just play it.
Could you uh, refresh my memory and our listeners' memories, how you met and formed uh, this band we all know and love, Modern English? Well, we were the Lepers originally. We were a punk band, playing three-chord rush type of thing. And then um, a friend introduces us to Mick. Uh, Mick was 15 at the time, actually. He's very young. But he was probably the most musical. He could actually play more than one note. So, <laughs> so he got the job. And um, Steve Walker, the keyboard player, you know, we bought him a small keyboard. I stole a few microphones from different gigs and stuff like that. Everyone was stealing stuff back then because England was a poor place. Yeah. And people like who formed bands used to go to other, each other's gigs and steal their equipment just to start a band. Yeah, I borrowed your microphone. You can have it back when you yeah. next do a gig. You can steal it back <laughs> off us. <laughs> As you reflect on that debut, what did you love most about it back then, and what do you what do you enjoy most about playing it today? No, oh, yeah, Mission Lace. We we play a lot of stuff from that period still. In fact, we're rehearsing the first singles. You know, Swans on Glass was the first four AD single. Gathering Dust was the second one, I think. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're playing both of those in the set. We're doing 16 days. All this will be happening live and direct for you, lovely people in Columbus. 16 days and Gathering Dust will open the set. I mean, it, it's a mixture of uh, Mesh and Lace, early singles, After the Snow, but most importantly, uh, tracks off our new album, one, two, three, four. We'll be playing probably three of those, I'd imagine. How would you uh, describe the sort of evolution if you think back to that, you know, mesh and lace to now to what you're doing now with this new record? What do you hear? What do you feel as a group? I think the, what, what we're doing, the songs from the new album, one, two, three, four. I mean, 
they sit next to things like swans on glass, like uh, long in the tooth. It's not yeah. equally as urgent as uh, swans on There's glass. There's a track called Long in the Tooth. minute speed sort of you know i mean i wrote it i don't i can't i'm not a very good musician so it's all just very simple but it's a good good strong fast song it could well be 1981 that song yeah it sounds like it came from a punk rock band who um, got slightly better at playing their instruments it's some different all sorts of different stuff on it it's a track called voices trippy song it was um yeah, that was good fun to see that uh, song and the, the fact that we ended up kind of recording it live still from from just an idea that rob had you know at home and then to see it kind of like come to fruition in the studio with five people playing it yeah, we, we did it really old school you know it's not like a homogenized radio sound that you hear every track on the radio these days you know it's, they're all kind of vaguely the same in sort of textures and sound even though they might be different songs they're the same sort of sound and we tried to get away from that we didn't want to do that we wanted to play something live to have some energy in it not put too much digitalized stuff all over it you know keep it quite raw in fact the, the more analog it was the better we felt yeah, about it yeah you know you, you can't really pin it to an era the the producer mario, mario mcnulty said that about it he said uh, if you were to play me this, I wouldn't know if it came from the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, and now, you know. So there's there's various things on there. There's quite a lot of feedback guitars, which we Gary McDowell's very good at. Steve Walker, the keyboard player, uh, he's quite good at doing effects. So there's a Korg MS-20s and MS-10s, which are, are kind of noise machines, really. So there's a mixture of stuff, but it's, it's a strong album, and we, we recorded it live. So it's got a live feel to it. Crazy Lovers, I really like. It's, I think if it's on vinyl, it'll be the first track on side two. Round and round You crazy lovers You step above us 
don't know what I like about it. It's hard to, when you're in a band, it's hard to describe your own music, really. But it's quite sort of chunky and rhythmical. Somebody said it was a bit like talking heads. So um, if that, that's a good compliment in my book. It's quite jagged, if you know what I mean, jagged guitar work. And the lyrics, are, which I, I do the lyrics, is, is quite exciting to write that kind of stuff. first ever gig was supporting uh, there was us on uh, the lepers this is and then adam and the ants came on and then susie and the banshees came on and last earlier this year it was cruel world festival in pasadena which is a big sort of post-punk festival it was all british artists and susie was headlining it and we were playing so it was like a full circle so that was quite good because that's like 40 odd years yeah. later you know that, that was quite a nice thing we're still here. <laughs> <laughs> Can't get rid of us. <laughs> and it's funny, actually, you know, sometimes you you know you see comments on uh, you know Facebook and all of that, and it's like, oh, so and so is looking quite old, and you think, well, yeah, you know, we well, they are old. like 50, <laughs> 45 years ago. You know, it's like I don't think I don't think even Susie in seventy seven would have expected to be doing what she's doing now. No. You know, it's. Is it, when you love making music, it's there's not really anything else you can really do. You know, it's something you always go back to. You know, your instruments, and also like you were saying about modern English, there's you know the original four. You know, it's when the four people are in the room, it, that's when it really starts to sound amazing. You know, someone will do something too completely unexpected and there's not not many bands from our era who've still got a lot of original members a lot of them you've got the singer and a load of guys you know that happens a hell of a lot and we didn't want to do anything like that i mean that that, that wouldn't work at all so it's nice to have it that way could you take uh your fans maybe inside that core where you're making this record this new one and do you razz each other is there a, a love and respect that has built over time and you just know what the other's going to do. I mean, let our listeners in there for a minute. Just give us, share something from, from the session. Wow. Uh, As you get older, you get let people get away with a lot more. I mean, mean, generally most of the songs were um, written by, you know, me and Rob sending stuff back and forth to each other. Uh, The studio had a great big glass window from the control room. And uh, we were at times holding up notes you know, whilst because you can't go in the room with Gary because it's so loud. You know, when he's doing overdubs and um, his mad effects and all that, it, there's a lot of pointing going on, and it's like and counting to one, two, three, four. Then you just don't know what's going to happen. I mean, uh, Gary McDowell, that's the guitarist. He's he's one in a million really on the guitar. There's not a lot of guitarists were around like Gary in the '80s or early '80s, but there's there's no one now like that. So he plays with a lot of effects and it sounds really amazing. But what was good about that album, this last one, was it was residential. So we were living there the whole time. 
So it was all about the album. You weren't sort of going home to your wife yeah. or whatever. It was all in there, you know, in that studio. And you were just making music the whole time. If you weren't doing that, you were eating or sleeping. That always makes for a, for a better album, I think. Uh, speaking of great albums, uh, I have to talk about After the Snow. That was the follow-up to the debut, Anchored by I Melt With You. As time has gone on, I mean, it still sounds amazing today. Like, what is it that, how do you explain a song like that that still resonates and sounds <laughs> fresh to people, right? You, you'll have to tell us. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really, really difficult one to answer. Yeah. It's like, how and why did that song strike a chord? With I, I always me? say it glides. It seems to glide, you know, from the start to the end, it just sort of moves. You know, I don't want to sound silly here, but it just seems to glide like a plane just going along. And then you've got the vocals. The lyrics seem to resonate a lot with people. But what happened with that was the producer, Hugh Jones, I'd never really sung before. I was always shouting and, you know, mesh and lace, just shout, and you know, get your emotions over it. But he said, don't do anything. Just stand in front of the microphone and just talk into it. So that's why that song's got that sort of weird verse feel to it you know it's just spoken almost because that's the first time i'd ever done it that gives it a sort of a, its own nuances you know that that he did for me with my voice but also i think musically that one of the reasons that song works is because it's got about five hooks in it and it's like there's there's things that and they're quite pleasing to the ear you know there's nothing too difficult for um, the listener to uh, get their head round. But there's like the the lead line at the end and the melody of the humming in the breakdown yeah. section where that kind of like reinforces one of the main hooks in the song. And the keyboard, you know, the main keyboard line on the chorus is a big hook as yeah. well. I mean, it's got plenty of hooks in it. Yeah. But it's, it is amazing. It's uh, 50 million views now on YouTube. That's more than 50. Five yeah. zero. Five zero, yeah, 50. I wish we got a penny for every one time we played it. <laughs> a couple pennies. You should get more than a couple pennies for that. Yeah. What's the stronger feeling? Ah, oh, we got to play this song again, or is it you? You no, do no. appreciate what it means to people. We love playing it. We just did a KEXP session up in Seattle, and we played it on there. We we've got no problem with playing it, and especially live. It's paid all the bills for us. You know, uh, paid, paid for this computer, we're yeah. talking on. <laughs> and it's helped us to make the new album, you know. So, yeah, yeah. how can we complain about that? Yeah. And even like your heavy metal people like it, or sort of strange characters that you wouldn't think would like that song do. 
It seemed, it really does seem to hit a chord with a lot of people. You know, the industry is a lot different than when you started. I wonder if you could uh, pick something out you embrace or enjoy about uh, music today and maybe something that is difficult to adjust to. I think, uh, you know, one of the good things about Apple Music and Spotify is that you can um, find new bands really quickly, whereas in the past you'd have to um, read about them in the music papers, like Enemy, Melody Maker, or listen to um, certain radio shows and certain radio stations. So, I mean, for discovering new music and also being able just to, on a whim, listen to something that you haven't listened to for a long time. And, and also for writing, you can use the, like we, we both use Logic, Logic X, uh, to write. It's a music program, you know, it's so easy just to put something down and send it to each other. It, you know, you can build tracks up. You could never do that, you know, tape recorders and with what we used in the old days. I mean, you could never do that with that. So it's, it's a great way of, we use them just as a way of writing the basics of a song and then we take it from there, but they're, they're perfect for that. So that that's really helpful. And the fact that you can send it by files to each other all over the world is something we never thought we'd see when we were rehearsing in little rooms with a tape recorder on the floor, you know, all those years ago, 1978 or whatever. Pressing playing, we call Yeah. to be a bit divorced from the mainstream of music these days to be honest with you because i don't know in the old days you would listen more to mainstream music well i would anyway because there was some interesting stuff to listen to but now i I very rarely hear a song that's in the mainstream that that i think i want to listen to it again you know it's very hard to do that because it's really strange because um when we did the album that the engineer and the producer and a couple of other people who worked on it they said to us that they use the same plugins, they're called effects, basically. They use the same thing on every piece of work they do. So uh, so if you think if, if someone's making a song and, and they use the same plugins, effects on each song, it's no wonder they all sound the same. And, the, you know, the vocal thing, what's the thing they use on the vocal where it puts it perfectly in tune? But it sounds like, you know, Mickey Cheap. Mouse. Yeah. You know, that's on most songs these days as well. So so that I'm divorced from that. I've got no interest in any of that at all. 
but uh, you know, this is what I'm saying about you know the benefits of uh, technology like Spotify. You know, there's uh, thousands and thousands of bands. I mean, even in South America, where's you know, I, I know some Brazilian people our age, and when they were younger, they used to get tapes sent to them of the John Peel show, so they could hear what what new music was happening in England, and you know, they'd get excited about the Gang of Four or the Mekons. You know, but it would take them two months to actually get this cassette. I mean, there, there's a really good station in the UK called Six Music, BBC Six Music, all of the NPR stations in America, the College Radio, yeah. and UK EXPs in Seattle, who are, um, you know, still kind of like discovering and playing new bands. Well, I've got a funny story about Columbus, actually, because we, we really used to like coming there because it's a crowd really good there but I, I was naive and I wasn't used to America all you know so many gigs in a tour and I walked on stage and I said hello Cleveland <laughs> whoops <laughs> you remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah that didn't go down too well actually yeah. everyone was booing at me yeah, I thought yeah. what have I done so uh, after that in gaffer tape for about the next two days the our road crew had written <laughs> the name of the town underneath yeah. the, the vocal mic so you know it's like we're in I don't know, Milwaukee tonight. <laughs> yeah, I'll be, I remember that even now. Hey, try not to do that on this uh, next show. I definitely, won't be doing it. I definitely won't be doing it. Do you remember it. the last time you were in Columbus? Or that, in was Ohio? that was probably it. <laughs> yeah, they didn't let you back until now. Yeah, yeah we look forward to it. Yeah, we, we decided to do smaller venues as well, like more kind of hardcore, 200 people sweating in a box type of places. That's that's a great place to be. Uh Listeners can explain, and I'm sure they've shared with you how much music has inspired them, what it's meant to them. As the artists and the creators, what has being a part of music for so long meant to you? I'd imagine you speak to any musician. They'd say just being on the creative side is the most important thing of all. Uh, you know, it's weird because it, it seems these days some artists want to be famous straight away. You know what I mean? They don't want to, whereas... I don't know. We never even we never felt like that. We just wanted to make music. Yeah. That, the same. I feel the same. So you know, it, even at home in my kitchen, I have a rotation of guitars that sit next to me at the kitchen table. You know, some days I feel like playing the acoustic guitar, seeing what happens, and other days it would be a different electric guitar with a little amplifier under the kitchen table. There's nothing more exciting than. Uh, for me, anyway, than waking up in the morning, Mick, hear a ping on my phone. It's Mick. Oh, just I did this yesterday, you know, <laughs> and I put it on. I go, wow, I want to play. I want to do something with that, you know, rather than say, oi, get rid of that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, the, when we find stuff that we like to work, we've we've written a, nearly a whole new album already uh, between us. So you know that that's pretty pretty damn quick for us, to be honest. We've got to go and rehearse. Oh, my goodness. Rehearse. The rehearsal room next door looks a lot more chaotic than this one, I tell you. Oh, I bet. Thank you guys so much. Looking forward to seeing you. Thanks a lot. Okay, we'll see you in Columbus. Thank you. Okay, bye. The first single from the new album comes out September 12th, with the full release expected in early 2024. I'm Mike Foley. Talk to you again on the next Music Journey. (laughs) 